Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So hopefully this will work for you. Yeah, I'm easy. I've turned the gain up nice and high, so you don't really need to lean in too much. But if you could kind of like, oh, are you going to go that side of there? Perfect. Yeah, do you want a little te- do you want a little tester? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One, two, 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 two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you receiving me loud and clear? Yeah, let's boost you up a bit. Gentlemen, I will uh, leave you to it. All right, Matt. Thank so you, what have we got after this? One you've more. got one. You've got another one. Yeah, you've got another Pod. one at uh, 20 past. So you've got 45 check, check, minutes, check. Matt. Yeah, sounds Time. good. Okay. What's that, a pod after? Or? No, that's a Zoom link to the radio show. And then that should oh. be it for the day. Oh. Okay. I'll leave you gentlemen to it. I'm going to go to the shop and get a meal deal. Okay. <laughs> Treat yourself. <laughs> this is the third time we've met. Is and it? every single time has been in Shepherd's Bush. Um, the first was at the well the two times prior were both at the O2 um, in Shepherd's Bush first was when my friends the Skints were playing and your daughter Holly was supporting them and then the second time was when you guys played with the Ruts for the I guess the 40th I want to say anniversary of the crack and I was DJing between the bands that's right we were supporting them yeah Yeah. good gig yeah yeah amazing gig and here we are again in Shepherd's Bush it kind of seems fitting that every single time we've hung out has been In your end. This is kind of exactly where you grew up, right? Yeah, Around yeah. these parts. Yep. The apple don't fall far from the tree, as they say. <laughs> Have you seen it change much 
since you know your childhood because for me shepherd's bush is one of the last areas of london that seems to retain a bit of that community and local identity um whereas i think a lot of other places and obviously this is just part of progression is it changes and you know gentrification seeps in but it seems like to me shepherd's bush has kind of held on to a bit of that character has that been your experience yeah, that's a bit, yeah. People ask me that a lot, really. How's the area changed since I was a kid? And as uh, we're talking about gentrification, I guess, and the, it's basically the same. It's still got that edge down the Gold Hawk Road and mm-hmm. Uxbridge Road. That hasn't changed much. And King Street is still a bit of a dump. Yeah. Uh, but what's changed most there, the, the new, um, the new um, inhabit- inhabitants, sorry, the new people who have moved in around the area, young, young professionals with lots of young kids, and there's lots more cars on the road and lots more trees, basically. But we've got our local little deli around the corner. But it's, it's right what you say. We've still got that community spirit around there, which is great, where I live anyway. It's real, isn't it? And it's reassuring. Have you never been tempted to leave? Has it always just been... I'm just seeing there your daughter's decks. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, has this kind of always been home and always will be, do you think? It has. I've moved around a bit. I haven't been here all the way through my childhood right. up to now. I've, I've moved around all over London during the 80s and 90s and uh, ended up back round here, actually, yeah. So, um, yeah, I've, I've ended up back where I started, I guess, and, yeah, I feel comfortable around here, you do, uh, around my, my own area, and I, I like it. I don't think I'll be going anywhere else now. I don't blame you, mate. I love it as well. Just walking here today, I was like... Because I'm from Birmingham, and um, Birmingham's the same. It has that just steadfast kind of... We're not changing, you know, resistance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there has been changes, obviously. Like I say, there's been delis and there's like upmarket butchers and stuff like that, but not so that you'd really notice it. Well, this area's gone gone crazy, you know. So it's still it's still got that edge to it, like you say, which is what I like. How were the 80s for you, Paul? You mentioned the 80s there. Um, after everything explodes and, you know, it's kind of over before it started almost with the pistols, you sort of pick up, you start with the professionals, 79. Was that when you got that band kind of up and running originally? Yeah, it was actually about, ni- yeah, about 1980. It started, with, uh, me and Steve, we went out, we'd done a film, actually. We got involved in this film called Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. Right. Where we went to... Um, I guess we was at a loss at the time and we ended up going and playing this band in a dodgy film with Paul Simonon was on bass as well, actually. And Ray, no Win- Ray Winston was a singer in our band. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so we went over there and we wrote, we wrote a bunch of songs for the soundtrack and one of the songs was called Join the Professionals. Mm-hmm. And that's where the name came from. And me and Steve were always going to get a band together, I guess, after the Pistols. And it just evolved from there, really. We got Paul Myers and Ray McVeigh involved and that was the original Professionals, and as you know, we done one album, didn't last very long again, and it all kind of imploded uh, only a couple of years later, really. Did you ever get jaded with the business? Because you strike me as someone as, you know, you're a musician, first and foremost, and you're, you're in this industry to play music, to tour, to make records, and you obviously had such a nightmare time with both the Pistols and then with the professionals did the did you ever sorry like kind of look around you and think maybe this isn't for me or was music too much of a kind of a a light inside your belly that you can never turn your back on it that easy because uh, a lot of people have been jaded by this game haven't they and just gone fuck it i'm out yeah you can do and i've had uh, gaps in between bands where i haven't done much really and taken a back seat but it, it always seemed to be something came along at the right time like for instance after the professional split 
Matthew Ashman, my friend, who was in Bow Wow Wow, had a band called the Chiefs of Relief now. Yeah. And Dave Barbarossa, the drummer, had left. And he phoned me up out of the blue and said, do you want to get involved in this? And I said, well, I'll have a go. We'll try it. And that worked out. Again, we made one album. <laughs> and that imploded as well. Surprise, surprise. I'm in the history of bands so far. I've done one album and that was it. And then after that, I was playing with, uh, in the 80s, with Vic Goddard doing a bit. And that led on to me playing with uh, Edwin Collins later on, who I had a long yeah. relationship with playing wise what, so it's what the, an absolute hero that guy is like. yeah i know brilliant really really good for me at the time i needed so a different style of drumming and it and it sort of pushed me as a musician and edwin fantastic songwriter and it, it was on the cusp of just when he broke me again with a girl like you yeah and, which was massive wasn't it yeah the album gorgeous georgia and we toured toured around the world off the back of that that was later on though in the 90s wasn't it yeah um yeah mid 90s even yeah We're... yeah it was 90 no, yeah 90 till 96 or something mm -hmm. and yeah we toured around the world off the back of that album and the follow-up for a few years actually so that, that kept me busy so yeah as i said something always came along but i did have periods in between where i was just going oh god what, what am i going to do now you know but I was never going to do anything else, really. I'm, I'm a drummer, and I just like, I do love playing live and getting out there and playing live. And then after the Edwin one, hey, presto, the, the Pistols were back together in 96. Well, are you, have you still got Chris McCormack playing with you? Or is Chris not in the professionals for this next tour? And Because and, I know it's kind of a revolving door, but because he was on the Pistols bill... I noticed this from a poster at his place the other day because he's a good friend of mine, Chris's, and I saw that Finsbury Park reunion show, right? The Three Colours Wed were on that bill, weren't they? They were, yes. But it was a great bill as well, actually, yeah. the line-up. Skunk the, and Nancy, right, as well? Yeah, Biggie yeah. Pop was playing. I was a Buzzcocks player. I can't, I can't remember. It was a great line-up, though. And, uh, yeah, Chris, uh, we parted ways with Chris. This was due a lot to do with, um, I think, the COVID situation. We, It's been a bit of a chore getting our new album together, actually, Stafu. It's been really stop-start all the way along and we couldn't get together and write and then there was another stop, another lockdown, etc. and recording, stop, writing, stop, you know, and it was all like that. And Chris, um, we couldn't get together with Chris at all because he's got a vulnerable daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and there was um, musical differences, shall we say, but all amicable. And so we just, we decided to, to part company and, and carry on as me, me and Tom and Toshi at the moment, and we are, yeah, currently looking for a permanent replacement. But we're using step-ins at the moment. Well, you've got another good friend of mine doing your next tour with you, Rich Jones, <laughs> just playing with you, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I don't know him. He's an old friend of Tom's. Yeah, Tom's played with him in the past, and Toshi has, I believe. Yeah, he's another guitarist. We had Chris, Chris Catalyst on the last few dates. With I know him. Chris as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know yeah. These are him. all the guys in the same kind of like. I associate them all with like the Wild Hearts being one of those kind of bands that seems to bring a lot of these people together. Um, all great guys, all great players, all you know, rock and rollers. And I think that's the thing with the professionals, isn't it? Is like, and even the Pistols, I would say is it might get lumped in with punk, you know, as the narrative kind of goes back through time. But really, it's rock and roll, right? Would you say that's the... Yeah, it is. We're rock bands at yeah. the end of the day. People like to put people in bags, you know, they're punk rock, they're thrash rock, they're metal. There's basically, yeah, we're all rock bands at the end of the day. And you're right, that circle of friends, which is what Ginger's great for, actually, bringing people together. He always done these birthday party gigs yeah. and there was all that's where i met tom originally was first, it really actually, yeah so when you were looking for a for a singer that was the 
the introduction uh, no, no, there, or no, is that I, just this is way before yeah, that? Yeah, this is before that. I'd met right. Tom doing doing the Ginger Birthday Bash. Yeah, and yeah. I turned up and done a couple of songs, and then we bumped into him later on at a rehearsal room when we were getting the me, Ray, and Paul, the original members of the professionals, were having a jam without Steve Jones, obviously, who lives in Los Angeles. Yeah. And, and uh, was that the reason why Steve didn't come back involved? Was literally just geography. Just, yeah, he doesn't travel. He wouldn't come back. And it wasn't. We didn't have an idea of it being a permanent entity then. We were just like goofing around and, you know, having fun. And then Tom was in the next rehearsal room at the time and Ray knew him. He said, there's Tom's next door. Get him in and play a few songs and see how that goes. Amazing. And it just evolved from there, really, everything, yeah. He's a great guy. I had a few kind of like brief exchanges with Tom at that Ruts gig and he's just got great energy and he's one of those people who seems to just love every second of being in, in and around live music. Like he just gets yeah. a buzz off all of it. Yeah, all right, he's a rock and roll animal, that's for sure. And you're right, he's got he's yeah. got the energy and enthusiasm, which is great for a front man and guitarist. He, he and he brings me out. He gets me going because I'm quite a laid back character. He's he's uh, and I pull him back, you know, and say so yin it, and the yang. It comes out somewhere in the middle, yeah, and it it works perfectly, songwriting and playing wise as well. Yeah. What's the connection with you and Phil Collin? Because I've met Phil, I've interviewed Phil, and he's he's a great guy. But obviously, if people weren't to kind of know just his personality and character, you'd see the guy with his shirt off, you know, all like greased up playing with Def Leppard, and that wouldn't perhaps be a natural fit. But where does that connection with you two start? Um, that started when Phil Phil was kind of had an idea of doing uh, a little solo project outside of Def Leppard, right? And we. He's got a place not far from me in Shepherd's Bush as well, funny enough. And we just bumped into, he was over here on one of his rare excursions to the UK. And we just bumped into each other. He said, oh, hello. Um, we kind of, we've crossed paths fleetingly in the past. And he said, oh, hello, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm, have a listen to this. I'm doing this stuff. What do you think? And, have, you know, if you're interested, let, let's see see what happens. And uh, it was all right. I liked what I heard him. We ended up doing two albums this time with a band we called Man Rays. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and musically, where would that sit? Again, just rock and roll, is it? Yeah, it was again yeah. like poppy. I think Phil wanted to let his rocks off outside of Def Leppard and yeah. get him involved in his punk roots, if you like. And it was more more the same of it's very like down the professionals road, really, where it's like three three minute songs, you know, rocky, poppy, punky songs and. Yeah, it's just perfect, really. And but it was unfortunate that every time we wanted to do a string of gigs, he'd always be called back by Def Leppard, and so we we never really had a good shot at it, really. But we we got two two fairly good albums out of it, and it, it was fun doing it at the time. Like I say, another instance where something comes along when I'm not doing much, and that, organically, yeah, 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 and that you know took up a bit of my time here and there for a few years as well, on and off. And he's doing some guitar on the new record, right? He is, yeah, yeah. That was the connection. What you you asked about earlier, and um, when we it was guitarless as well. Funny enough, on the first album because we just parted company with Ray, yeah, and uh, we was down to a three piece again. And uh, we said, well, what we're we going to do? We're making this album. We got these songs, and I said, well, I'm just going to ask people, my mates, and phoned up Billy, yes, straight away. From Phil, cult, yes, yeah. straight away. Duff McKagan was interested in doing stuff. Jonesy was on there as well. So we had a bunch of great players on there and they was all willing to do it and it t- turned out great. Yeah, and the album was really proud of what in the world. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. It was a really good record. Um, h- how do you know Duff? Where does that friendship start? 
obviously he's a punk rock kind of fanatic and there's always like i think within that guns and roses camp he's always been the one that's championed the the sort of punk roots yes yeah um, of the group so where where and when do you two first meet well, the connection there is with Steve Jones in Los Angeles. Right. He's lived there forever now. Yeah. And I used to go, I still do go over there now and again. And uh, I've been over there with Steve. And we, but that's where I met Billy Duffy as well. Got friendly with him to start with as well because he lived in Los Angeles. And I met Duff with Steve over there one day. And we got we got um, friendlier as the years went on. And uh, he was, yeah, great. I just called him and he was really really thrilled to be asked actually and i was actually in la when we done it i went around it's really funny i was knocking on people's doors you know billy come over in the studio come <laughs> come and put some guitar on here and steve come door on to door yeah, and, uh, duff was there. i went around to duff's house actually and he had just got a little recording studio downstairs Amazing. so we went down there and that, lucky enough we had all the tracks backing tracks ready to go by then so i was like scouting them around really and getting people to play on them I heard it was like a live radio show that Steve was doing for his KLOS show, and it was you, I guess, Ian and Billy from the cult. And he kept referring to you as Sir Paul Thomas Cook. <laughs> he does, yeah, that's my name. That's what he calls me, yeah. And it's really funny. Uh, some guy, um, they actually took it seriously, a couple of guys. They were ringing in and saying, hey, Steve, Paul's been... Paul." How is it Sir Paul Thomas Cook's been knighted and you haven't? And they were totally serious <laughs> yeah. about it. So I do call myself Sir Paul some, <laughs> some, sometimes over there. He's amazing. Like, you two have known each other since you were kids, right? Did you go to school with each other? We did, yeah. Yeah. He wasn't at school much, though. Like, yeah, I can yeah, believe that. Yeah. I can believe that. So when you're first hanging out and kind of making friends with each other, is he always funny? Because, you know, now, I don't know whether it's something he's grown into, but he's just like that radio show he does. It's so unprofessional and like the antithesis of what all other radio is. But it's so listenable because he's just such a character and he's so sardonic and just, you know, wry and and fucking hilarious. Has he always been that way? Has he always been just a funny, funny dude? He has, actually, yeah. And he was always the centre of attention. He was one of those guys when we had a game at school and that who'd always be us. I think it was his insecurities, really. He just wanted to play act and act out, you know, and always be the centre of attention because yeah. of his well-documented trouble life at home and the, the yeah. problems he was having there. And he was all, he was always the, the main guy. He was nev- never at school. Very funny, like you say, even back then, just a natural comedian, which, um, and yeah, like you say, sardonic and witty and, Funny, he was always like that. Wanted to laugh, wanted to make people laugh. Actually, to be loved, I guess you know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that... carried on and right through to his radio show. And like you say, it's a total unprofessional show, but there's something about it. It's great because it's so honest. Yeah, I think it's so rare to hear people be so unashamedly and unafraidly themselves. You know, everybody I think puts on a certain kind of a a presenter role when they're yeah. doing those kind like, of hey, things. Hey, hey, I'm exactly and, like. and, and, and don't stop talking. Whereas when Steve was, he's not on the radio anymore, but when he was, he would just, if he couldn't think of anything to say, he'd, uh, just sit there and go, um, it'd be like deadly pause. He'd go, oh, well, I'll get my guitar out now and just start playing the acoustic guitar and stuff like that or whistling, whistling a song and yeah. asking people to guess what it is. And, and <laughs> it was just off the wall. Everyone loved that show in Los Angeles. So. They love him over there, don't yeah. they? He seems to be one of those kind of like people that has become almost like a national treasure for them. 
um, without changing who he is. And I think that's interesting because a lot of people, when they move to America, British people, I mean, they kind of sheen down their Britishness, don't they? But he's like, he's not changed, I don't think, at all. He's always kind of kept his exact same... Yeah, he's just, I guess that's what people like. He's just being honest and he's being himself and not putting on this radio persona and trying to be a personality. And that's, that's it was so different, his show, and that's what people loved about it. Have you two always remained close then? Are you two the two with each other that have always remained? Yeah, we have over the years, yeah. There's been long periods of time when we haven't talked. Not because we've fallen out, just, life. just because, yeah, yeah, life, you get on it, you know, ebbs and flows, relationships. Uh, but we're always there for each other and we've seen each other more over the last 10 years, actually, because we've, me and my wife, we, we've been going, we've got a lot of friends over there. So we go to Los Angeles a lot for a holiday and to catch up with everyone and have a drive around. We like it. I know LA gets a lot of stick from a lot of people, but I love it. I like it there as yeah. well. You know, I'm fair stick actually, by the way, because by usually by people who've never been there. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those places. I think a lot of people go with a certain expectation. Um, and that's of, often disappointed. Right. And that's why they kind of go. But I think if you go there knowing somebody and you kind of have that luxury of being shown around by somebody who lives yeah. there, you sort of see the real side of it. And it's, if you like music and movies, which are my two favorite things in this world, yeah, that's like the mecca for all of that as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And it can be, like you say, you've got to know somebody there. It can be a real lonely place. I would imagine if you're yeah. there by yourself and don't know what to do. It's a vast, you know, vast, vast place. It's massive. You can get lost there very easily. Well, I find London's like that and LA's, you know, vastly bigger. But I find London, if you just move here alone, it's not the friendliest of cities, is it? If you're kind of just here on your own, kind of trying yeah. to make your way in the world. Um, we all need friends, don't we, Paul? At the end of the day, <laughs> we do. We do. And um, uh, like you say, it don't matter where you are in the world, you need someone to to show you around and to hang out with, you know, otherwise you, you're going to get lost in the big wilderness. I had, um, I had John Lydon on this show a few years ago, and he actually said then he was like the one person who he kind of considered a friend in the group was yourself. He said, oh, yeah, me and Paul, me and Paul are friends and stuff. Is that still the case? Or? <laughs> well, we've, we've had a little uh, episode <laughs> lately. A little to-do. We've had a little to-do <laughs> lately, which I'm sure you're aware of, which yeah. involved a court case. Uh, so I'm not sure. I, I'm, we've sort of, I haven't, I always got on well with John. And we all, not bosom buddies, didn't hang out a lot. But if I was in LA, I'd, I'd look him up now and again and we'd hang out or, over the years, when he was when he was over here, we might go out for a drink. Not not often at all. Once once in the blue moon, but we still, you know, we got on all right. And then we didn't talk for long periods. And then after the '96 tour, we haven't. We've hooked up now and again, but uh, recently not so much anymore. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I hope after all the the sad shit show of the court case, we can underline that and move on and have some sort of relationship in the future. But I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Time time will tell. Would it be important to you if you could? Would you like it? Because I know, obviously, the question you probably get all the time is, will the band play together again? But I don't know. For me, as somebody who talks to a lot of people in bands, I often find that for, for many people, it's actually just the relationships that mean more, the personal connection. Then, you, you know, I don't necessarily want to go out and play with this band again, but I would like to maintain a relationship with this person that, I'm sort of intrinsically linked to for all time because of this thing that we did together. 
Yeah, I hope so. But as I said, time will tell because there's been a lot of stuff going on lately. And um, yeah, I, I, the band are not going to play again. That, that's 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 a that's a leave it done, where it is, right? Done deal. Yeah, we've you know every, we, as you know we got back together in '96, which was great. That world tour we done. But, was that the one? Was it? Because there yeah. was a few, wasn't there? Was that was that the the best one? Do you think that was the one? Yeah, I think and the Finsbury Park gig was just one of my favourite gigs of all time with the Pistols. You know, but every time we got back together, a few times after the '96, it seemed to something wasn't the same. It seemed that the atmosphere in the back got kind of got worse every time, really. And the last time we played, 2007, I think it was. I thought, yeah, that's it, really. We, this is done now. It's just done and dusted. I, I couldn't see us playing again after that. Those shows you did in America, were they as insane as they've you know, kind of been made out to be? Because you know, I've kind of just been to places like that, let alone played as a band like the Sex Pistols at that time. Um, was it scary at times? Yeah, it was. Actually. You're talking about the tour we'd done just before In we sort split. Of 78, was yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, it was very scary. All the publicity that preceded us getting there. And he said, you know, um, public enemy number one coming to America, watch out, and this is going to be terrible. They and, and that and... now sounds kind of pantomime-esque, doesn't it? But then, because the world was so conservative, I guess you really were made out to be these kind of terrorists almost, right? Yeah, yeah, it really Just for was like music. that. We had, we had, it was, it was, it was scary and horrible. Actually, we had. I don't think we realised at the time because we was travelling in our bubble how bad it was. You know, we were playing these mad gigs all down south in Texas and all around there to these cowboy bars, and we didn't know at the time, but we had people following us around. You know, there was rumours it might have been some CIA, not CIA or secret, and there were police on the stage while we were playing. You know. Sheriffs there start to stand at the side of the stage with their guns, you know, mm-hmm. like looking at us, waiting for something to go wrong, and all sorts of things. Yeah, fucked up on that tour, you know, when we went out, and so it's it, and we we were being protected, so called, by these ex uh, Marines, these uh our, our road crew, you know, they wouldn't let us out of their sight because Walder brothers, who were signed to, were terrified we were going to do something and get slung out the country or caused some sort of mayhem and they were going to get in shit and so it, yeah it was it was pretty bizarre and i say it broke it broke the back of the band really that's that's why we split up at the end of it we just thought oh my god this is just getting too mad and every everyone had had enough by the end of it and that's where the band split yeah i mean it makes for good mythology doesn't it but uh, it's no way to live when you're the person in it <laughs> doing it yeah exactly and you know sid nearly well he ended up dying a bit later in new york he nearly died at the end of that tour and he was he was so out of control because he wanted to be and it was it was messy it was it was horrible actually it was yeah i was glad when it was all over after that i must admit would you have liked to if it wasn't as chaotic and out of control as it became quite early on would you have liked to have done more music and and do you think it would have been quite an interesting you know second record if you had got to make a follow-up do you think it would have been you know, like something that would have stood the test of time in the same way as the first album has. Do you think you still had more to say musically and it kind of maybe got taken away before? Um, yeah, I do. That's one of my biggest regrets, actually, with Is the Pistols. It? Yeah, not making another album. And I know everyone says, oh, Glenn wrote a lot of the songs and they wouldn't have I, I think we would have made another great album because Steve was starting to evolve as a songwriter 
and he was writing some good stuff, which later came over to the professionals' first album. Yeah. I think I think we definitely could have made another album. It would have been different. I think it would have probably been a probably a lot heavier and darker than never mind the bollocks. But I still I still think I still think we could have made a great album, which was a shame we we never. Was it nice to revisit the professionals and get a sense of? Not closure because you know it's still happening and you got new music, but to revisit that band and to reignite it was that a healing, fun, creative time? Yeah, again, like we said, the professionals didn't last long first time round, so it's been it's been a real buzz this time working yeah. with Tom and getting what and like I said earlier, getting what in the world together, which I'm really proud. Of. And now actually getting a, through all this COVID lockdown, managing to get another album which is coming out next week snafu uh-huh. together we managed to pull that all together that that was hard work but, but we've done it and i'm re- really glad we've done it because we 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 work well together me and tom we writing wise and playing wise so we managed to get another bunch of songs together and we was like when we was in the depths of despair through this covid oh god what's going on we can, uh, did you go to that place too did you have a bit of a yeah yeah we did yeah. especially especially with the band what we is it the end of it are we gonna, i said look tom now we've got to see this through we got half a half a dozen songs done let's let's really try and make an effort determined to finish it and it's been a labor of love and we we got there in the end and i'm really proud of that as well we managed to pull it out the bag yeah and you're taking out Eugene's band on tour, right? Desperate Measures. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I love I Eugene so much. He's I don't amazing. know if that's a good idea or a bad <laughs> idea, what's going to happen there. Well, 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 you know it's going to be a fun time, if nothing else, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, they're a good bunch of guys. They played with us recently in a gig we'd done down in South End just to test the water, and that was good fun there. They're characters, yeah. Yeah, I love James, their drummer as well. He's a good pal of mine. And... Yeah. You know everyone, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's just doing this, and it's it's <laughs> yeah. it's for me as I'm sure you're the same. Like people who stay in it long term are in it for all the right reasons, and they're just naturally the people that I find myself, you know, drawn to. And it's the it's the fair weather people who are only in a band to be famous or only trying to be a journalist to, to, to interview famous people. You know, I think it's the people who really love what they do that will stick out the highs, the lows, and, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, who are still in it, they're the people for me who I'm drawn to because they're lifers. Yeah, and, yeah, and Tom uh, as well, he's, um, like I say, he brings me out of myself, and I've met a great bunch of people since he's been in the band because Tom is a social animal, as you know. Yes. He knows everyone, and I've met a real great bunch of musicians, you know, right from all the wild hard slot and who Tom used to play for before different bands. And he's got a bit, he's got a good history to him. Tom, he's rock and roll roots, as they say, yeah, you yeah. know, and he know, he's, he's been playing in lots of different bands and he's, I've, I've met some, some great guys, some musicians who I wouldn't have met otherwise, you know, if I didn't meet Tom actually. Yeah. He's the real deal, isn't he? As you yeah. Said, he's, he's the real deal. Rock and roll animal. As I said, earlier. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Can I, yeah, yeah. Just want to get a drink of water. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you do think? One, yeah. Uh, I'd love one. Yeah. 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 yeah nice one, Paul. We're nearly done anyway, we're nearly there. <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So these eye dents Matt's got you on. Sorry? So these eye dents that Matt's got you recording. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yesterday, yesterday was non-stop from like 11 till... Cheers, Se- seven at night or something just one after the other bang bang bang, bang. bang. it's been a bit more relaxed today actually it's been a bit nicer and someone cancelled as well so oh that's always yeah. a welcome one yeah, isn't that it was a, that was a good <laughs> one yeah i'm not doing it later anyway i've got one more to do after this now we're after nearly that, there yeah. how is holly what's she working on at the moment holly's great she's yeah. um just she's finished another album a fourth album awesome yeah and she's ho- hanging on to it so she can uh organize a tour Bring it out in a more stable world. Yeah, yeah. Next, next year, uh, in, in, I guess in springtime, she's she needs to get a tour in place so that she can promote the album. She didn't want to do it now; it's been cancelled already. One of us, she had something set up, and so going to do it properly. That's all ready to go, and it's sounding great again. Yeah, and amazing. She's actually on one of our tracks as well. On, Is she really on the album? Yeah. Oh, was that the first time you've recorded and, and sort of done something that's on tape and going out into the world together? Yeah, it is. How was that for you? Yeah, that must have been a was, super proud yeah, dad moment. It was moment. great, yeah. It was a kind of song about her a little bit called Spike Me Baby, where she inadvertently spiked me with one of her <laughs> uh, herbal chocolates, shall we say, which I, nicked, which I nicked from her fridge by mistake, not knowing and totally freaked out that night, not knowing what was happening. <laughs> I've done that yeah. before. I, I, I can't do weed at all. Man. And I ate like a hash brownie um, at a friend's house one Christmas. Oh, God. And it, it's the worst yeah. yeah, I've done acid and mushrooms and stuff like that, yeah. and that's more manageable, it seems. I've Those been, edibles. I've, I don't, I don't smoke dope, you know, so it freaked me out. I kind of <laughs> knew the, the vibe from way back, you know. And I, but the worst thing about it was I didn't know what it was because I don't remember. So you thought you might have just been it, losing your mind. And or she something. didn't know either because she said her friend left them there, and she came in a few days later and said, "Oh, by the way, you didn't take one of these." Yeah, I went, "Oh, what this stuff." <laughs> If I'd have known, I would have been fine, but I was freaking out. Anyway, Tom wrote a song about that as well, and it, it's great. And she's on, yeah, she's on um, backing vocals at the end of it. Yeah, so that's that's quite cute, yeah. That's amazing. That's great. And so is she going to come out and sing, you think, one night? London uh, show, maybe? Uh, you never know. I'm not sure if she's going to Leave the that. edibles yeah. at home, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. You never know. Never say never. Another one of our songs titles on the album, actually. Yeah, I'm always saying never say never, you know. It's just great. Tom picks up on stuff like that, you know what I mean? Whereas I wouldn't. Never in a million years. Phrases would I think, here, sentences there, yeah. Would yeah. I would I like write a song about that? It wouldn't have come into my mind, you know. But he does. He's looking for something all the time because he's got that he's got that 
active mind, you know, where he's looking for stuff all the time and stuff to say. You know. Would you say that your connection with him is one of now probably the most fruitful in your entire life then? Professionally um, speaking, creatively speaking. Yeah, it is really because, I mean, I did creatively, yeah, because um, I did write a bunch of songs with Steve first time round, but that was really fragmented because Steve was a bit out to lunch at the time, well documented. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, all over the place. And so that was a bit fractured. But now this is like a proper songwriting partnership. And we've got um, we've written two albums together. and Yeah, so it, it probably is. Amazing. Yeah. And isn't that a great thing that you can be X amount of years into your career and it still be as exciting and productive and rewarding as yeah, it's, it's ever just, been. Yeah, it's just the connections, isn't it? Meeting it's, the right person. I think you know, all it, about that, yeah. And it worked. I mean, I mean, before us as well, Tom had never fronted a band. Right, okay. You know, so that it was all new to him, and he was all insecure about that, and he's always getting the, uh, oh, but it's not Steve Jones in the professionals. I said, well, no, it's not. This is another band entirely, really. You know, it's it's like evolving all the time, the professionals. like It's like a bit of a revolving door, guitarist-wise, and then yeah. bass player left, and for health reasons and Toshi came in and Chris you know so we've got we've got a, a professionals family now really where we can call on different people all over the place and I, I like it like that actually I quite like it like that yeah hopefully it's one of those things as well where like the doors never close so people come back around yeah and I love it um, the one thing I want to ask you before we wrap up is the band that you were in with Steve Phil Linnett Scott Gorham <laughs> and who else was in that one the Greedies was it called that was another pickup band. Whoever was around, yeah, we done a, we done a few shows. Yeah, just it's really funny these guys like we touched on earlier, like Phil. They always, you always want to do something. Out of Phil wanted Phil Linnock as yep. well. Wanted to do something outside Finlay just for a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. And we done a couple of gigs. Who turned up? Yeah, it was um, Geldof was there actually. Chris Spedding turned up yeah, on a yeah. gig, and well, Steve was there. Yeah, and Jimmy Bain, all these, these sort of old rock and roll mates and that and that was really good fun actually we only done a ha- handful of shows at the most but that w- that was a good laugh as well actually yeah and that, that was another good connection with phil actually what a beautiful yeah, man what, i've been to guy scott. what a shame and, um, yeah i know i probably would have got him on the album if he was around scott gorham no, no phil. phil yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i know what a shame i know everyone everyone loved him you know so yeah loss Bad loss, actually. A lot of casualties to drugs, isn't it? And it's, um, you know, you've obviously seen, you know, some people have made it back, like Steve Jones, others yeah. haven't. But it's just there's a lot of destructive behaviour that, you know, claimed a lot of lives, didn't it? Yeah, that's that's the nature of the beast we're in, isn't it? You know, some some people get a grip of it, others just can't control it. It's just a, it's your DNA, your makeup, I think. Yeah. How, how your wires are fixed, whether you handle it or not because it's around everywhere, as you know, in this business. And some people come through and out the other side, and a, a lot don't, yeah. Do you still drink? you still enjoy a drink? You're not, like, sober, yeah. are you a teetotal? No, no, anything, I do. Right? I drink. That's about it. I don't drink to excess. Well, some my wife would say I do. You know, <laughs> I, say, I think I don't. I try to keep it all under control, you know, yeah. You yeah. never lost your way then? No, I don't think... Steve told me once, he goes, you're fine, you'll always be fine, because I, I, he said I haven't got an addictive personality, and he knows all about it. I know that you can spot people with addictive personalities from a mile away. Yeah. You know, Steve has it, Tom's got it a little bit, and there's his... Uh, but that's what makes them great as well. Yeah. You know? And it, if they can just temper that and harness it in the right way, it's, it's great. 
Paul, it's been so nice talking to you, mate. And yeah. um, congratulations just on everything. And it's it's really cool to see everything's, you know, despite what we've all collectively been through over the last 18 months, everybody who I'm talking to in this time have just got nothing but hope and optimism for the immediate future and, and yeah. the long term as well. So I wish you all the best with the, the tour and the record release and, and everything that comes. And, and thanks for your time, man. It's been really nice. Yeah, that's great. I've enjoyed it. And uh, like you say, we're, we're getting back out there. We're flying the flag, you know, we're trying to get back to normal life. And who knows what's going to happen. It's a bit tricky at the moment. Yeah. Seeing if people are going to come out. They're still a bit wary. But I think I think you just, we've got to get out there and get on with it now and get, get over this. We're going to look back, I think, in a few years and think, what the fuck was that all about? What was going on there? You know, I think we really are. And what's what's important to note there is I do know a lot of bands, um, and you mentioned even even Holly as well, kind of holding back and waiting a little while. And I know that must have been an idea that's probably been pitched to you guys is should we, you know, re- put the release date back? Should we put the tour dates back? But I really admire the fact that you're like, no, not only do we need it, but people who like our music need it too. So let's get out there and give them like an entertaining show and some new music and something to look forward to, right? So yeah, respect well, well, for doing that. We're going to have a go. <laughs> Cheers, <laughs> mate. Nice, nice, nice one. one. Cheers. Cheers, Thanks, Paul. Matt. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.